0: Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now, your host, James Swanson. My Monday Night Football curse is officially over, everyone. I'm just thrilled because I've always had the worst luck on Monday Night Football. I always lose my matchups. Well, this week... That did not happen. I've changed around my luck a little bit, turned things around. Odell Beckham Jr. saved me for the second time in my fantasy football career, if you will. Uh, caught that touchdown at the end of the game. I was down by .8 points to Jake. So if Jake's listening to this podcast later, he's going to be awfully more ticked off than he already was, more than likely. But that that gave me the win. Five seconds left. The, the desperation you know, didn't really even mean anything because the Giants didn't have enough time for an onside kick and a chance to kick a field goal or uh, win that game anyway. Um, but but that was huge, and it put me to 5-2 and two in my most important league. And maybe some of you out there also had Odell Beckham, and that swung your matchup as well, either in your favor or to, against you. Uh, both very possible, and I'm sure that scenario happened in, in other leagues as well. Hi, everyone. I'm James Swanson. This is Pad the Stats. And look, I know I've been a little bit uh, lax lately. The past couple weeks, I've only been putting out one or two podcasts a week. Um, it's just been a crazy time, so bear with me. Weddings, uh, we've been, you know, moving in. I just moved into a new place, so it's been kind of crazy last two or three weeks here. Um, but but wow, I'm in a good mood this week. Waivers just cleared. I'm re- recording this podcast on Wednesday morning. Uh, it's about 8.30 here on the East Coast um, so I'm gonna have this podcast out here later this afternoon. Didn't get around to a waiver wire preview this week, but we are gonna talk about um, that Giants Falcons game from Monday night. I know I'm a day late on that. Uh, but but no worries, I'll have that out this afternoon. And then I'm going to give you my three risers of the week. I'm gonna give you my fallers of the week, probably uh, gonna report record another podcast tonight, release it on Thursday, morning, Thursday afternoon, and then we will get into the week. Uh, week eight previews here hopefully later this week so let's get right into it Giants Falcons Falcons 23 Giants 20 Giants fall to one and six but let's talk about the key players and some of the key moments in this game Odell Beckham Jr. I just talked about it had that touchdown at the end of the game that swung things a little bit that touchdown eight catches 143 yards and that score he finished with less he's, you know he's finished with less than 10 targets just once all season. Uh, he had nine in week two at Dallas. I think I mentioned on the last podcast that I had just traded A.J. Green and Carryon Johnson for Odell Beckham Jr. because I still feel that Odell Beckham, even with this offense, even with Eli not playing great, them being inefficient, the line not giving Eli a ton of time, Odell Beckham still gives you the opportunity week in and week out at 30 points. And that's how I feel. That's what I feel is going to give me the best chance to win a fantasy championship. I have Antonio Brown and now I have Odell Beckham um, in a 14-team league PPR. So I've really stacked up on my wide receivers and I just have a plethora of running backs. And I feel like in a 14-team league, you can take that strategy a little bit. It's it's harder to be completely balanced because when you get into those middle rounds, if we're talking about you know, looking back at the draft season, When you get into those middle rounds, four, five, six, it's getting thin, and we we have seen the running backs in those rounds not play very well to this point, so the fact that I have two top-end wide receivers, if you're in a similar situation, I feel good about my situation right now, and again, I think that Odell Beckham gives you that opportunity a little bit more so than A.J. Green to have those huge blow-up games. He obviously gives you more explosiveness after the catch than AJ, A.J. Green would, now, after this week uh carry on Johnson, the game that he had, I do feel kind of crappy about having to give him away because I do think he's going to have a nice second half. Um, but I also still feel really good about my team. And I do think that he is a surefire. Uh OBJ that is a sure fire three or four wide receiver the rest of the way. I think he's seven or eight right now. He might be even six. Um him and AJ are right right you know, right One, two, or or six, seven, you know, one spot apart is what I'm trying to say. Um, And the upcoming schedule for the Giants, they get the Redskins at home this week, then they have the bye, then they go to the 49ers, Tampa Bay at Philly. So I think it sets up pretty well for Odell Beckham. Now I know he's a matchup-proof guy, and it doesn't really matter anyway, but if you want to look at the matchups moving forward, I do think it is pretty favorable for them. And then if you look at the playoff schedule, they go to Washington, then they get the Titans at home and then they get go to Indy. So, I'm happy when I made the you know, at the time when I made this trade that the, the upcoming schedule is pretty favorable. Um you know, you you might have had some owners that were still down on Odell Beckham a little bit just because he's been up and down this season and the Giants have struggled so much as I uh, alluded to a few minutes ago. Um but but yeah, I I think this is a really, you know, Just going to be another, again, a top three or four season for Odell Beckham Jr. So excited about him moving forward. Saquon Barkley, uh, what more can we say? Look, the rushing totals have not been great, right? Let's start there. He's now had under 50 yards rushing in four of seven games this season, 14 for 43 and a touchdown on Monday night, but 10 targets, nine receptions, 51 yards. He now has 61 targets this season and is on pace for 111 receptions, on 139 targets. I could not find a running back in the last six years with that many targets. Matt Forte at 130 in 2014. David Johnson at 120 in 2016. Those are the closest two that I could find. And the same with the receptions. I have not seen anybody in the last six years with the number of receptions that Saquon Barkley is on pace for. Matt Forte at 102 on those 130 targets in 2014. And also Saquon Barkley is on pace for 425 fantasy points. What more can you say about that guy's rookie season? It has been spectacular. He has been advertised, uh, you know, as advertised, I should say, coming out in his rookie season. And then, wow, uh, it's just been remarkable. I did mention those 425 fantasy points that he's on pace for. David Johnson, the best season ever by a running back in PPR format, 407.8 in 2016. So that just goes to show you Now, take that with a little bit of grain of salt because there's another guy playing out in Los Angeles right now by the name of Todd Gurley who's on pace for 472 fantasy points. So, wow, uh, this is going to be a remarkable season by the top flight running backs. As bad as we've seen the middle pack guys, Kenyon Drake, um, Deion Lewis, Derrick Henry, we have seen top flight running backs, Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley, Todd Gurley, play remarkable so far this season. So Saquon Barkley, another... Uh, good night catching the football, and he's just going to be... I, I just don't see a situation where I would want to trade him away for anything right now. I don't know if you can even get him. Um, he's just been absolutely sensational so far this year, and if you have him, just just keep riding this wave right now, and if you have him in a dynasty league, props to you. Um, back in May, when we did our startup fantasy draft, I had the number 6th overall pick in a 10-team league, and I took Levy on Bell at six. Saquon Barkley went seven. I'm starting to regret that's, that that decision <laughs> a little bit. I, though I do, I, I try to look at dynasty in three-year increments. And I do think Lemion Bell is going to have three more really good seasons in the NFL. Um, but overall, yeah, uh, I feel like I missed there a little bit. Uh, let's let's keep on the Giants' side of the football, offensive side of the football. Sterling Shepard had a good game, eight targets, five catches. Wow, 167 yards, kind of a blow-up spot for him. He's now on pace for 82 receptions, 1,161 yards, and four to five touchdowns. That would put him in the top 15 to 20, uh, according to 2017 numbers. And, um, and I say top 15 to 20 because there's a few guys. You know, you look at some of the guys from last year who played 14 games, and they were still in the top 16. Um, so he's kind of in that range, just depending on, on on you know full. If you're talking about full 16 game slates, he's more in the top 20. Um, you know, he. It would have had about 222 to 228 points. At least that's what he's on pace for this year. As I mentioned, top 20 numbers in 2017. Um, trade talk. I was offered Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram for Tariq Cohen earlier yesterday, uh, but I actually, you know, I love the way Tariq Cohen's playing right now, and I, I just can't part ways there. I, I don't look, I think Sterling Shepard is a fine wide receiver three the rest of the season. But Tariq Cohen, twenty points, and I'll talk about him in a little bit here. He's been remarkable so far. And the uh, I have some more numbers for you a little bit later on about his snap counts. So I was not willing to take, uh, you know, to part ways with Tariq Cohen in that trade. Um, do, though I do think there are better days ahead for Evan Ingram. If you're somebody who held on th- on to him through the that MCL injury, I think you're going to be happy with Evan Ingram moving forward. Um, but uh, something I wasn't willing to to pull the trigger on. I think he's Sterling Shepard, that is. I think he's probably more of a top twenty-four wide receiver than top fifteen or twenty the rest of the season. Um, but you're gonna be happy with that. And uh I would still rather have, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, Jarvis Landry, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay over um, you know, Sterling Shepard the rest of the season. And I would still probably rather have, you know, I would still definitely rather have John Brown at this point as well. But Um, But Sterling Shepard is shaping up as a really strong wide receiver three rest of season if he can stay healthy for 16 games. He only played in 11 last year due to some injuries, but um, I think he's on pace again for a very strong wide receiver three type of season. And then let's look at the Atlanta side of the football. Julio Jones, another game with no touchdowns. I know he had 12 targets, 9 catches, 104 yards. That's great. Another really strong game from Julio. Julio kind of game. But he has not scored in seven games this season. Julio Jones has not scored a touchdown since November 26th of 2017. Week 11, last year against Tampa Bay, he had two touchdowns. He scored three touchdowns in the last 23 games. Uh, It's, wow, it's just crazy to me that they cannot get the ball to him in the red zone, in the end zone. A guy that's that dominant, that big... Uh, that physical, they cannot get him the ball. It's just, it's just crazy to me. Um, he's currently sits as, as the number wide receiver seven in PPR, one spot behind OBJ. Um, but again, I think he's an, an another surefire top four, five wide receiver the rest of the season, and um, you're going to be happy with him regardless of the touchdowns at this point. And hopefully, look, I know we keep saying that, and I've been wanting to say this as well is eventually julio jones is going to find the end zone but i don't know if that's the case like you just don't know if that that you know positive regression is is something that's actually going to happen um it's crazy it's it's just crazy to me and then tevin coleman 11 carries 50 yards and a touchdown he had that 30 yard touchdown run that kind of saved his night saved his fantasy night at least um two catches 32 yards he had a nice uh, catch on us on a swing route um not a swing route. It was more of a wheel down the sideline, um, and uh, Matt Ryan hit him in stride. It was a nice, nice little play, um, but uh, not not a great night. Thirteen, you know, thirteen total touches, eighty-two yards in that score. He's averaging about thirteen to fourteen touches per game, which I would assume he's going to stay right around that mark all season now with Edo Smith in in the mix. Um, right now, I would prefer the following guys over Tevin Coleman, Nick Chubb, Carryon Johnson, Tariq Cohen are three guys that I would rather have than Tevin Coleman at this point in the season. Um, I was expecting a little bit more, if I'm being completely honest. Once Devontae Freeman went down, now that he's on IR, I was I was definitely expecting a little bit more from from Tevin Coleman. But we've seen this with with Atlanta's offense in the past. They like to use two running backs, and they find that very beneficial. Uh, To their cause, and that's kind of just the system that they run. Even with you know Steve Sarkeesian taking over last year for Kyle Shanahan, this is still the system that they like to use, and and it it works to their benefit. And I don't see that changing, and I don't see them wanting to change the rest of the season. So those 13 to 14 touches per game that Tevin Coleman's got so far, I think you can probably expect about the same amount, that same range. Just hoping that he can be a little bit more efficient with his touches. Because you don't want to count on a 30-yard run when he would have finished the night with, you know, 10 carries for 30 yards. Uh, He gets 11 for 50, Um, but it, you know, it kind of, kind of is what it is. I still think that Terry or Tevin Coleman, excuse me, is a, you know, a low-end RB2 rest of season. Um, You know, if not in a, you know, maybe a 12-team league. Uh, he is a very high end flex play for you, but, but still a solid fantasy option. He's going to get you, he's going to get you points, um, you know, pretty much all season long. Okay. And on to my risers of the week, week eight risers. And I just talked about him. His name's Tariq Cohen. Uh, what a past three games Cohen has had. We're going to take a look at some of the numbers here and the biggest thing that we want to look at. I know he's had three straight games with over 20 points, 20-plus 20 fantasy points, at least seven receptions, but the biggest thing here, it's the usage. It's the snap counts, okay? In the first three weeks of the season, the first three games, Jordan Howard played 31% of the, more of the snaps uh, over Tariq Cohen compared to just 4.3% more snaps over the past three games. So it's been a marginal difference um, in the way that they've gotten Tariq Cohen back on the field. I think that that's just helped immensely. He's also scored in three straight games. Cohen, that is um, the snap count as I mentioned, just continues to increase. He's seen 76 snaps over the past two games. Jordan Howard's had 82 snaps over the past two games. And if you look at the upcoming schedule, they get the Jets at home, then they go to Buffalo, then Detroit, which I think is great. Their playoff schedule. Rams, Packers, and then at San Francisco. So I think this shapes up actually pretty nicely for Tariq Cohen. If you look at that playoff schedule, if you're looking kind of down the road at this point, the Packers are not a great matchup for pass-catching running backs. In fact, the Packers are the best team against pass-catching running backs, allowing just 19 receptions for 141 yards and zero touchdowns in six games so far. While the Rams and the 49ers are in the bottom ten against pass catching back. So I think that uh there's two really good matchups in there for Tariq Cohen, at least the way things have shook out this so far this season. Obviously a lot of things can change from now until week fourteen. Um, but if you're looking ahead, I think that I think there's still some there's favorable matchups for Tariq Cohen. And they've just started to realize the Bears that is, and Matt Nagy, that they need to get this guy on the field because he's just so explosive. And he provides you a different type of dynamic than Jordan Howard can. And, of course, it just helps the entire offense. It's not just about Tariq Cohen being a running back, right? We, he's a running back, you know, on the depth chart. But this guy does everything. He catches the football out of the backfield. I just mentioned that he's had seven receptions or more in the last three games. Look, he's not a guy that's going to give you a ton of carries, He's 100, 120 all year max. But that dynamic that I talked about, him just... Being a, you know, kind of a scat back, but but just so much more is just so valuable. So I see him as a very nice RB2 in PPR leagues. The rest of the season, I'm so glad that I was able to pick him up after he kind of had that, you know, lull at the beginning of the year where they weren't really using him. Um, but I'm excited to have him on my team now. If you have him, I would not go trading him. I don't think he's necessarily a sell-high candidate at all. I think they're going to continue to use him throughout the season. Tariq Cohen is my number one riser of the week heading into week eight. My number two riser of the week, Philip Lindsay. This might be a little bit surprising because we've already seen Philip Lindsay play well all year, and he's, he's basically been pretty consistent in doing so. But I'm going to tell you why he's a riser. Royce Freeman is now banked up with a high ankle sprain. I know they said that he's going to be day-to-day and he he might even be able to play in week 8. I think that this is going to hamper him a bit. A high ankle sprain is nothing to mess with. I think this could be a, a you know a 2 to 3 week injury where maybe Royce Freeman is kind of like Matt Breida gets on the field but but they're they're managing his reps. He's not as explosive, he's not as effective. We already seen he hasn't been as effective the past few weeks. I think this is a point in the season where Philip Lindsay has a chance to separate himself from that, you know, high-end RB two range into a low-end RB one running back, into a top ten kind of running back for the rest of the season. Um, he's averaging 5.8 yards per carry. He had 14 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown last game. He's coming off a game where he saw 35 snaps, and he and like I said, he may have a chance to duplicate that usage. Over the next couple weeks, their next three games at Kansas City, Houston, and then the bye, and then the playoff schedule is very nice at San Francisco, Cleveland, and then at Oakland. Sets up really, really nice for Philip Lindsay down the stretch. And look, if any of these rumors are true about Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas being shipped off from Denver, I only think that that helps uh, Phillip Lindsay moving forward, catching the ball out of the backfield, too. Case Keenum is going to continue to target him. And if one of those guys leave town, I mean, wow, you're talking about an increase in targets, an increase in usage for Philip Lindsay. I don't know how much they lean on Cortland Sutton if one of those guys were to leave town or maybe even Deshaun Hamilton. But um, yeah, I think Philip Lindsay is a guy that might be a little bit surprising in this category, but I certainly think he's somebody that is on the rise going into the rest of into week eight and down the stretch the rest of the uh the season. And then my number three and my final riser of the week, this might be the most surprising of them all because he's been hurt for a couple weeks. He didn't have many catches last week. T.Y. Hilton, and I'm going to tell you why T.Y. Hilton is on the rise right now and why he might be able to be somebody that you can still acquire in a trade. He caught two touchdowns, okay, after missing the previous two games due to injuries this past week. Before getting injured, T.Y. Hilton had 38 targets in four games, so a little over nine targets per game. He now has four touchdowns in five games. I know the schedule isn't great. Jacksonville twice still. They get the Titans, the Dolphins, Houston, Dallas, the Giants. So I'll be honest, it's not the best schedule in the world, but I love how Andrew Luck is playing right now, and I think this offense continues to get better and better Now that Marlon Mack is in the fold and they have some semblance of a running game that can kind of bring life, even more life, into this offense and help take some of that pressure off of Andrew Luck, um, it's going to open things up downfield, I think, a little bit more. And look, T.Y. Hilton is still, without a doubt, going to be Andrew Luck's favorite target. I know Eric Ebron has played really well this year. Now that Ryan Grant is banged up a little bit, Chester Rogers has played okay. But T.Y. Hilton is the man in this offense he is on the rise and he is my number three riser into week eight and into the rest of the season. All right, everybody, that's all I have for today. A quick one. But, uh, like I said, I, uh, we've been doing some more of these lately and, um, where we just do shorter podcasts. I think it's kind of beneficial for everybody. You get the list to do to it on your commute to work, commute home, whatever the case. Um, I think it's just a good little, good little option for in the middle of the season when, you know, things are hectic and whatnot. Um, but uh, but yeah. So like I said, I'm gonna do a riser or a fallers, um, you know, podcast as well. And then we're also gonna preview the Thursday night football game tomorrow. So everybody enjoy their uh, enjoy their Wednesday. Enjoy the middle of the week. And uh, we'll be talking Dolphins and uh, Texans tonight. Um, until then, everybody have a great day. See you later. Bye bye.